This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by HostGator, where you'll get 24-7 live support via chat, phone, email, one-click WordPress installs, easy-to-use website builder design services and marketing services like SEO and PPC, and for my listeners, a 30% discount. Go to HostGator.com slash promo slash duct tape. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz and my guest today is David Mim. He is probably the foremost expert on local search, uh, formerly wrote a column for on local search for uh, Search Engine Land. Uh, his annual local search ranking factors project is among the most important studies of local SEO and he's also the co-creator of a site you've heard me mention before, getlisted.org, which uh, now has been, uh, uh, I guess, accumulated by Moe's, where David now hangs out. So, David, thanks for uh, joining us. Oh, man, it's a real pleasure to be here, John. Thanks uh, thanks for the invitation. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to talking local search. It's obviously uh, it's been an addiction of mine for about 10 years now. So uh, anytime somebody wants to talk about it, they don't, they don't twist my arm too hard. <laughs> so... I think I actually said in the intro, Moe's, but uh, it's really let's let's get the definitive uh, down on tape here. You can see how old I am. I'm saying tape, but is it Moe's or Moz? It's Moz, actually. Yeah. So um, way back in the mid 2000s or early 2000s, when the company was founded, um, you know, kind of uh, the the idea was that Moz kind of connotated like open source and and transparency and that sort of thing, and so. Um, the company used to be called SEO Moz, and now right, it's just because right, right. we do a lot more than just SEO. So, well, and I'm, I'm thinking back to like when Firefox came out. The the term Moz is somehow related to that project too, yep. right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, th- I think that's true. So, yeah, yeah, just, uh, yeah we're we're trying to bring you know more transparency and more um, more intelligence around around data about what's happening in search and social media and and around the web. So that's uh, that's the reason. So let's uh, dive right into. The topic of local SEO, and I guess let's start with you know, is there something inherently different between local SEO and just everyday SEO? Yeah, that's a great question, and actually, I think there is, um, and and not, you know, I, I think there's plenty of, of sort of professional marketers who realize the distinction, but um, you know, among small businesses, it's hard enough just to, to keep up with traditional SEO. Um, so, so what's different about local? Uh, there, there's a couple things. So, number one. Um, anytime you see a a map uh, with those little red push pins uh, showing up in a Google search result, um, those results are actually generated by uh, sort of a, a unique algorithm within Google uh, that's distinct from the algorithm that ranks you know websites. So Google has one algorithm that ranks websites, and they have another one that ranks places, uh, physical locations. Mm-hmm. And so anytime you see a map, it's it's kind of pulling from that that secondary algorithm. Um, and then even within the the you know we call organic results, just the, the sort of traditional you know ten blue links that you're used to seeing with with the, the click through to websites. So even within that algorithm, uh, there are several flavors of uh, localization that happen, um, and the the outcome of that is that Google is actually able to surface um, generally small business websites, although also you know national retailers who have done a good job. Uh, or national companies who have done a good job um, 
structuring their websites, but Google is essentially trying to show the most local pages that they can, even within those organic results, uh, when they detect that a, a keyword has local intent. So if somebody's searching for a plumber, um, you know, Google's pretty smart. They know that, okay, well, if I'm located in Kansas City, I don't really want to see a directory for plumbers in, you know, New York or Atlanta or somewhere else. And so they'll actually show you know, pages that are local to Kansas City showing Kansas City plumbers, uh, even if all you type in is the word plumber. So um, that's kind of how that, that localization algorithm works uh, within the organic results. Yeah, and that, that's actually changed. I mean, I remember a day when you would get the New York plumber in a list if the New York plumber had done a better job at, <laughs> uh, right. at optimizing their website. But but not only has that, you know, you no longer have to put the word in, you know, Kansas City plumber probably uh, because Google's gotten a lot better at knowing where you are. And, of course, with all these mobile devices, you know, they're, they're even surfacing, oh, well, there's a plumber. 0.5 miles from you, you right? Know, or exactly. whatever. So it, it's really gotten uh, pr- uh, pretty incredible. I, you know, I think the thing that I think a lot, you know, a lot of people dive into the technicalities of it, but I think, I think you almost have to start with a person doing search on a local level has a different intent, maybe too, right? Oh, definitely. So I mean, I think you know, as, as you said, proximity, you know, plays a really key role um, in terms of of you know, how well a business will rank for any given searcher. Um, and so Google actually, when, uh, when this location algorithm sort of first came out, uh, back in the late 2000s, kind of 2008, 2009, that, that timeframe, um, Google would actually default to showing businesses that were close to the city center where you were doing a search for. So even if they could detect, okay, well, John's in Kansas city, you know they're going to show they're going to show businesses that are more or less located downtown uh, when John's doing his search, even if he's in you know Overland Park or you know somewhere somewhere outside, but generally in the metro area. Now, especially um, since the the update that we call Pigeon that happened last year, um, kind of last summer, Google is increasingly showing uh, local businesses that are closer to your physical location. So whether that's on a mobile device where Obviously, you know, nine times out of 10, Google, you know, you've, whether you know it or not, you've sort of opted into sharing your location with Google uh, directly. It's very easy to detect uh, on a mobile device, but even on desktop queries, um, they're getting very smart at, you know, identifying um, IP blocks and, and talking to internet service providers about where searches are coming from. So they're going to show increasingly local businesses that are located directly, you know, near the searcher as opposed to this sort of city center. So they've had this, they've had this ability to, to, you know, surface businesses near a given location for a long time. Uh, it's just that, you know, they're, they're really, they've gotten really good at detecting that specific location, uh, in the last year or so. So in your, uh, factors, uh, project that you've done for a number of years what are what are maybe two or three of the big things that jumped out this year that that whether you're an seo person or you're a local business trying to rank higher that that maybe we need to pay more attention to than we did in the past sure so i think um just generally across the board google is getting better at uh identifying quality and authority right so um you know we've said for years that um you know, you shouldn't try to optimize for the search engines. You should you should optimize for the real world. You know that that kind of, of mindset. Um, and I think that Google is increasingly you know starting to reward um, sites that are doing that. So uh, just you know by way of a specific example. So you know the businesses that are heavily involved in their communities and are getting linked to from 
uh, all of the nonprofits that, that they that they volunteer with, um, you know, all of the the various boards they serve on, uh, the the vendors and suppliers who are linking to them because they've been such great customers. Um, you know, those those sorts of of links and mentions from really high quality websites uh, are are playing a little bit bigger role uh, today than they did you know three and four years ago when. You know, any any spammer on the web could could go out and you know buy a bunch of links from you know blog networks and those sorts of things. By and large, those strategies you know have really been um, been minimized by Google, and and now it's it's much more about the quality of links uh, that you're getting, and also about the quality of service that you're providing uh, as measured by reviews. So um, not only you know reviews uh, happening at Google, whatever they call it now, Google Maps, I guess, is the the kind of uh, the, the branding that they're going with today. Um, but anyway, so reviews left directly at Google, those certainly help you, uh, convey to Google that you're providing, you know, a good service and that, that people are actually frequenting your business, that sort of thing. But increasingly, uh, reviews on really quality websites, uh, beyond Google. So, and, and this, this is kind of dependent on, um, what industry you're in. So if you're a lawyer, you know, Google is looking at the reviews that people are leaving for you on a site like Avo. Um, if you're in home services, they're looking pretty heavily at sites like House and, and Porch and Pro and those those kinds of sites. Um, and so the, the quality of service, not necessarily, um, you know, I, I'm not so sure that ratings play that big of a role, um, but Google likes to see that customers are, you know, reviewing you, that they're they're having experiences at your business, that then they can look at the keywords that people are saying when they when they leave those reviews uh, et cetera. So I think, you know, we're, we're definitely seeing quality businesses, uh, increasingly rise to the top. Um, and I think that that's, you know, that's probably the biggest shift for, at, at a kind of macro level that we've seen in the last uh, three or four years. So I've seen a lot of, uh, buzz of late, you know, we've really been talking about this for a long time, but I'm, I'm seeing a lot of SEO folks saying, Hey, now we're, we're really content marketers. You know, Google's taken a lot of the SEO <laughs> tricks away from us, and now we're really content right. marketers. I mean, how does that uh, how does that play into, or how has that particular idea impacted local? I mean, is content yeah, so, still important there? It, oh, sure. So, it's content has, has always been important. Um, I will say, you know, it depends on what you define as a trick, quote unquote, right? But there are still uh, a number of fundamentals uh, when it comes to local search that are. Um, at least sort of as important and in some cases uh, increasingly important moving forward. So um, I'm not sure if you or your your listeners are familiar with um, what Google has done with the knowledge graph and knowledge panels, but um, essentially Google is trying to show um, more and more results that are not web pages, that they are, they are what Google calls entities. And so an example would be if you do a search for um, – you know, uh, you know, John's barbecue in, uh, in Kansas city, Missouri, um, rather than showing you just the website for John's barbecue, um, they're going to show a knowledge card for John's barbecue, the business. And on that knowledge card is going to be, you know, a map with directions and hours of operation. Um, you know, potentially a few user reviews associated with John's and kind of buried in that knowledge card is going to be John's website. Google's trying to show as much, um, as much information as they know about John. John's barbecue right there on that knowledge card. And one of the ways that, you know, has been, it's been a ranking factor for years. Um, but one of the, the most important factors for helping Google generate those knowledge cards, uh, are, is the quality of your structured data. And I would say that's kind of still hmm. a, a, a very, um, you know, it's, it's definitely sort of an SEO basic, 
uh, it's a little bit technical, something that still matters a, a great deal to helping Google generate these knowledge cards. So um, what I mean by that is uh, essentially the uh, combination of your business name, your address, your phone number, um, and you know the, the web page that that Google that uh, searchers can can visit to find that contact information on your own website. Those those factors: name, address, phone, website. We call NAP um, sometimes NAP plus W. Uh, the the number of places that that exists around the web and the quality of the places that that exists around the web. Um, that's really key to helping Google generate these knowledge cards. And so that's one technical thing that's still really important. You got to make sure that you're using the same business name. You're not stuffing keywords. You're not saying you know, John's best barbecue in Kansas City. You're saying John's barbecue as your business name um, across the web. You're not using tracking phone numbers. Uh, you're sending people to the contact page on johnsbarbecue.com where people can find this information. That's really, really critical. Um, and so that's definitely, I think, still an SEO fundamental that that matters today in, in 2015 and, and will matter going forward. Um, to get back, sorry, I sort of twisted your question, but no, to get no. back to the content side of things, which is definitely uh, you know playing a larger role, um, I think it goes to, yeah, I, I think Google is, Obviously, there's there's keywords that you're going to use in content that can help you rank for, um, you know, a wide variety of of search phrases to to bring additional vis, uh, visitors to your business. Um, but I think Google is primarily looking at content uh, as a uh, sort of a gauge of an active business, right? So that the businesses that are that are sharing great content, whether that's um, you know photos that people are are publishing on Instagram uh, at a location or uh, you know, surveys that people are publishing that are getting a lot of shares on Twitter and Facebook and, and those those kinds of places. Um, I think Google is looking at these as at these these content pieces really as indicators of popularity. And so, you know, to the extent you're just publishing, you know, regurgitated content from somewhere on your blog uh, that no one's reading and um, you know isn't getting shared, that sort of thing. Yeah, you're probably going to get you know a little bump in, in terms of the the long tail keyword traffic that. Those those generic blog posts are, are getting you, um, but you're really much better served putting time and energy into something that people are actually going to find interesting and share and you know um, spread the word with their friends and you know post photos you know if it's a contest or something like that. But the the, the content pieces that are really uh, you know set up to, to to at least have the chance to go viral, um, those are the those are the content pieces that I would invest in as a small business owner. Um, instead of just trying to meet some arbitrary, uh, oh, I've got to I've got to put up four blog posts a month because my SEO guy told me so. Um, th that that's really the the better strategy is the is the the former. Um, you know, putting energy into a few great pieces that that get shared. Um, I, I I would uh, while I agree wholeheartedly with that, I would contend there are some folks that just have no content period and and even okay. just creating some of the basics that would be useful content that their salespeople could actually pass on Absolutely. To, to folks uh, would, would still be okay content for your blogging. <laughs> totally. Well, yeah. so one, yeah. So one idea that I love that, um, is not my, I didn't originate this idea, but the first person I heard it from was a, a friend of mine named Aaron Wykey out of Minneapolis. Um, so Aaron, Aaron's comment in terms of helping businesses generate content is, Hey, what are the top 10 questions that, customers ask you when they call you up or, you know, come to your store um, and try to make each one of those questions a blog post. There you go. Now you've got a, a calendar where at least you've got, you know, a few months worth of, of good content. And keep in mind that, you know, even if you don't like to write or you hate, you know, sitting down in front of a computer at a, with a blank screen, um, you know, videos can be content. Photos can be content. 
demonstrations can be content. Uh, PowerPoint decks can be content. So um, there, there's any number of, of, of uh, you know, successful media that, that your content can be beyond just, you know, writing a, a traditional blog post. So I totally agree with you. You know, there's so many businesses out there that don't even have the basics covered. You got to start somewhere um, and start with things that, you know, people are already asking about that are, that are going to be not only interesting to people who find your site, uh, who, fi- who find your content, but again, likely to get shared because other people have, you know, the same kinds of questions. Well, and I've got one more trick for you, David. You've probably already written most of these. Go look in your sent email. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. So not only, not only can you get questions that customers are asking you by looking at your, you know, archive, but yes, look at your sent, your sent, your outbox, uh, sent messages for the actual, uh, text itself. Yeah. So, um, you, you have a newsletter, great newsletter called, I think, Seven Pack uh, yep. today. And um, whether we call it the Seven Pack or the Five Pack or, you know, depending upon what device you're on pack, um, how do you get in there? What, what, what's the soup <laughs> that you need to stir to, to get your business into that, you know, enviable position? Sure. So um, there's, a, you know, there's kind of, I would say, five or six major buckets that can help you uh, break into that, uh, that Seven Pack or you know, fill in the blank with the number. Um, you know, the first one is you've got to go and claim your business at, at Google My Business. That's a that's a no brainer. Hopefully, your listeners have have done that already. Google's done a good job, I think, in the last couple of years about promoting that product. But mm-hmm. um, if you haven't done that, Google.com/slash/MyBusiness. Tell Google who you are, where you're located, what your hours are, what you do uh, in terms of the the category of business that you're in, um, and just make sure that you're you're telling Google that you're you know. Yes, this is my business, and I'm the I'm the owner of this business. Um, and even that baseline level of trust by by making that that claim, make, making sure that you've told Google that information, um, that should help you rank you know a little bit better um, within the within that seven pack. The second piece that I would look at is the uh, the uh, NAP consistency that I mentioned earlier, so that the the extent to which that name, address, phone, and, and website uh, is consistent on. The sites where Google expects to see local businesses like yours. So, like I said, if you're a if you're a home builder or a, you know a, a general contractor, you've got to have that. You've got to have a house profile and make sure that information is correct. Um, in particular, there's a there's a couple sites though that um, you know a lot of small businesses haven't heard of, and and you know there's really no reason that they would have. But uh, there are these sites out there called data aggregators, um, and what they do is they they've gone out and and uh, crawled phone books, physical phone books, and had had people key in. Uh, yellow pages listings for the last you know twenty or thirty years. So they've built up these huge databases of businesses, and I mean anybody who's kind of tried to translate uh, you know phone books to to digital or or any piece of, of uh, you know real world content into digital, there's going to be misspellings. There's going to be uh, you know switched phone numbers. There's going to be incorrect information, and so um, a lot of people don't know about just the, how important these data aggregators are to making sure that that name, address, phone gets surfaced at Google the way you want it to. So beyond just the the, the primary directories that that you I'm sure have heard of as a small business owner, check out the data aggregators um, and and see make sure that you're listed correctly there with name, address, phone, and website. So that's number two. We've got Google My Business. We've got uh, you know NAP consistency and directories and aggregators. The third piece I would take a look at, um, and it, you know, it's the easiest certainly to implement um, for a lot of businesses, but it, you know, it, it only gets you so far. But you do need to make sure that your website is set up so that people know how to contact you. Um, you know, there, you'd be well, maybe you wouldn't be, but I think a lot of listeners might be shocked 
the number of small businesses out there that, that don't put their phone number uh, in HTML, you know, on their homepage. Um, they don't put their address anywhere on their site, or if they do, it's in an image or, or you know, only with a map. Um, so just those basic things, making sure that Google can identify your website with a physical location. And again, the same physical location that you've submitted to Google My Business, uh, these directories and, and the data aggregators. Those are the three, you know, at a, at a bare minimum, those are the three things that I think everybody should do to try to break into that seven pack. Beyond that, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll take a pause. Did you have a question? Oh, well, you know, I was, I was going to just pile on there and say, you know, what about Google Plus? <laughs> um, sure. Because, you know, you talked about reviews in other places, really important. But when you look at the five pack, the, the seven pack, the Google reviews are what show up there. And, and in some cases, I think, uh, have the, the, the effect of highlighting a business if they have a bunch of five-star reviews. So absolutely. So you, you hit it, you hit it right on the head with the, with the highlight, um, aspect, I think. So, you know, review signals, I, we think play a little bit smaller role uh, unless you're in a very heavily reviewed industry like hotels or restaurants, right, something right. like that. Um, there you're going to, you're going to need reviews to rank no matter what. Um, but if you're in, you know, plumbing or electrical work or, you know, insurance, something like that. Um, that's not a heavily reviewed industry. You don't necessarily need reviews to rank. The flip side of that is that the businesses that do have, you know, 5, 10, 15 reviews and get those bright yellow stars next to their business name, um, those businesses are the ones that are going to get clicked on, that are going to get called, um, that people are going to say, oh, yeah, this is a, this is a popular business. I'm going to call them that little bit of social proof. So reviews can be huge uh, for driving um, click-through rate improvements and, and making sure that you actually get business uh, off the web. So I, I definitely think, you know, as a ranking factor, not as, not quite as important as those three things I mentioned earlier, but uh, certainly as a conversion and a, and making sure that you get the business uh, absolutely, absolutely essential. So you, you mentioned uh, the, uh, the aggregators, data aggregators. Uh, you know, people have probably seen or gotten – solicitation from people that are willing to put you in hundreds of directories and, you know, uh, mods has a product local, you know, there's companies like Yext out there. How important is it that you use a tool, either a tool like that or physically by hand, go to some of these directories that you may or may not have ever heard of and, right. and, exactly. and get in those? Yep. So, uh, I think it's, it's important that you do it. Uh, how you do it is less important. Right. Um, with respect to the aggregators, um, so there there are four main ones in the U.S., uh, InfoGroup, mm -hmm. Newstar Locally's, Axiom, and Factual. Um, three of those four have free products that uh, you know can do a lot of the same things that, that Moz Local does. Um, the fourth, Newstar Locally's, uh, their, their product is a paid one and, and quite expensive on an individual uh, location level. So, um, but you can certainly do that, that kind of stuff yourself. I think there's the time issue, there's the management issue if you do need to update hours or change your category, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So Moz Local, we really designed that to, to kind of be a, a big time saver and, and send the same information to everybody that you need to send it to um, you know, in, in one fell swoop. Um, Yex is a little bit of a different product, so they don't, they don't feed the, the uh, primary data aggregators um, with the exception of Factual. They do submit to Factual. Um, but they, they'll send your information out to um, you know, a few more uh, directories directly uh, than we than Moz Local will. So they'll send you to, uh, I think they put you on City Search and YP.com. There are a handful of others. Mm -hmm. um, they have a, a much bigger network uh, than Moz Local does, but 
you really do need you, you can't really ignore that aggregator piece. I think um, there's only two companies that that Google Maps references in its um, in its terms of use in terms of where their data comes from, uh, and those are InfoGroup and Axiom. So if you if you really want a, a clean profile in the Google Maps index, uh, you've got to you've got to hit those two primary aggregators in addition to uh, I think Newstar Locally's and Factual. Well, and and you know I'll give you a little case study here. Um, I'm not local business, but I of course pay to pay attention to this stuff, right. and uh, I was able to find four different addresses um, of right. you know places I had had my office over the because I've been in business 25 years. Exactly. Um, so it, you, you kind of underestimate that you know that that somebody's out there getting that data, and and yep. you know who knows if so, it's if it's accurate. And that's a great example, right? So um, you know, put yourself in first of all, put yourself in Google's shoes. Um, you know, how do they know if somebody's searching for John's barbecue uh, and and Google sees four addresses in its index? How does Google know which one to surface? Um, that's a problem for Google. Secondly, even if Google were to surface, you know, four addresses for for John's barbecue, um, and a searcher saw that, what you know, what kind of experience is that for the searcher? Um, they're not entirely sure which one to go to. There's three different phone numbers to call. Um, and so the fact that that creates a bad searcher experience means Google's less likely to show your business uh, for any keyword, uh, certainly you know, beyond your own uh, searches for your own business name, but just barbecue in Kansas City. Um, you know, Google's not going to show a business that they're not 100% sure you know, where that thing is located and, and how people can get in touch. So that's why it's so important at a conceptual level to make sure that this name, address, phone, and website is, is consistent everywhere. So I want to end up on a sort of a can of worms topic. <laughs> uh, so, so, so we may be here a while. But right. uh, you know, the question a lot of local businesses have is, you know, what role does social play in all of this? I yep. mean, not just how many likes I have, you know, how many tweets I do, how many followers I have, just what role would it play in local search? Right. So I, honestly, I think that the most important role social can play, well, there's two things. Number one, Social is really, you know, how your content is going to spread. Um, I'm sure you've done podcasts with Facebook experts, of, of which I am not one. Um, but the, you know, the, the organic reach of a post on Facebook, if you, John's Barbecue, uh, you know, put up a photo of a, of a great, um, you know, brisket that you just pulled out of the, the pulled off the grill or whatever, um, you know, that published by John's Barbecue page is probably, you know, let's say you have 100 followers, about two of them are likely to see that. Um, and so the only way that people see that content is if your followers actually share it with their fault, with their friends. And right. so, um, sharing is really the most important part of social, not necessarily, uh, the publication of, of, of your own content. So, um, from that standpoint, I think, you know, sh the, the sharing that happens on social is how you spread word of mouth about your business. And then indirectly that word of mouth is going to lead to, uh, you know, to, to more visitors and, and, and additionally from, from Google standpoint, so this is the second way social can help. Um, the number of people talking about your business, Google then sees you as an authority, uh, in your, in your local area for, for the kind of business that you are. Um, and that additional authority conveyed by all these people talking about you, um, can definitely help you, you move up the rankings. Um, at a one kind of high level thing that, that I didn't talk about earlier that I do want to make sure, um, people know about so in the last two to three years, um, Google has really, uh, really focused heavily on rewarding strong brands. And one of the ways that, um, that we think that brand authority uh, is, is kind of calculated at Google 
uh, is sort of number of shares of content that, that Google can associate with a given brand. That's number one. Number two is the number of uh, searches that people are doing specifically for a given brand. So if, for, as an example, um, you know, you're going to get way more customers probably if you rank for some, some generic phrase like barbecue in Kansas City um, than you are somebody searching specifically for John's Barbecue. Right. But the very act of someone searching specifically for your business, if you get, you know, 100 or 200 or 300 or 1,000 people, if Google sees that many searches for a specific business, they're going to see that's a very strong brand uh, in a local area. And chances are that those searches are, are going to reward uh, that business with with higher rankings across the board, not just for their own name. So that social that social angle of spreading word of mouth about your business uh, is definitely becoming more important as Google moves uh, into this kind of brand um, brand preference uh, algorithm. So, so, how many times a day do you think I need to search my brand to really have impact? <laughs> well, <laughs> Google's Google's got a lot of PhDs, and I uh, figured out that people might take advantage of this. So. Uh, I don't think it's something that is. I, I don't think it's something that is easily spammable. Yeah. Um, I think uh, Google does a pretty good job of identifying what natural searches look like. But if you are interested in this concept of kind of uh, of brand uh, more more along the lines of, of sort of click through experiments, um, Darren Shaw and Rand Fishkin have both done uh, studies with click through rate, where it is actually fairly easy to see, to influence search. Uh, to influence uh, rankings uh, with click-through, and so um, there is, they've they've kind of asked you know a thousand of their closest friends to to all do the same thing, uh, and demonstrated the impact that this kind of behavior can have. So um, it is a real thing. I think it's hard to spam, um, but to the extent that you can do it, you know, in the, in a natural way, in the way that Google is expecting uh, to see. Um, I do think you'll see a benefit from it. I actually read a really great article, and um, I wish I could tell you where I saw it now, but uh, um, the uh, person was uh, basically uh, had a list of you know, 10 things that Google tells you absolutely not to do that they do themselves, <laughs> <laughs> kind of right. along those same lines. Yep. Um, I do have to tell you, uh, David, that um, a lot of my listeners know that I'm a vegetarian, and so John's Barbecue is going to uh -oh. really, really suck in the reviews. I have a feeling. An example. That's great. <laughs> um, David, thanks so much for joining us. We're, um, obviously, we've talked about uh, Moz, and I assume that uh, your local search ranking factors uh, results are available somewhere there? To they are. Currently? So, it's, yep, it's Moz. The best place I'd encourage people to go would actually, if they want to learn more about local search, uh, would be moz.com, moz.com slash learn slash local. That's our, that's our local learning center. It kind of takes you step by step through each of these major areas. The local search ranking factors themselves are moz.com slash local dash search dash ranking dash factors. So that's the other place to go. But I would check out that learning center first. Um, we've got a lot of great information there from myself and a colleague named Miriam Ellis uh, who have put that together. So I'd, that'd be the first place I'd go. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll see you out there on the road. And I'd love to have you back uh, sometime because, yeah. you know, in, in 90 days, this will all be different. <laughs> that's right. Sounds great. And thanks again for the opportunity, John. <laughs>